Hello, and welcome to the Philadelphia Society for People and Strategies Winter 2023 podcast series. This podcast is part of our growing digital library where we address critical workforce issues facing business today. This particular series is accompanied by a February 9th in-person event, as well as a subsequent small group virtual discussion. Visit our website at www.peopleandstrategy.org to register or learn more. Our conversation today focuses on the leadership challenge in our current environment. Let me introduce Bill Mezzanotti, the EVP and Head of Research and Development for CSL, a global biotech company with a long history in serious and rare diseases and influenza. CSL is the largest global collector of human plasma and the second largest manufacturer of flu vaccines. The U.S. headquarters is in King of Prussia, PA. Leading off the conversation, we have Regina Blair, VP of Talent and Organization Development, as well as Diversity and Inclusion at Day and Zimmerman. Day and Zimmerman is a diverse engineering and construction, staffing, and manufacturing company in Philadelphia. Welcome to the both of you. I will now turn the conversation over to Regina. Mary, it's happy to be here with you and Bill today. So Bill, let's dive in. One of the things that you and I both spend some time thinking about um, in today's work environment is how do we support our leaders in terms of their success in driving strategy and engagement during a time of what I think we can agree is significant change? And how does driving strategy and engagement help them align um, as a leadership team? And one of the things that we've had the opportunity to discuss in preparation for the call is that there are some key leadership imperatives that are more critical now than ever before. So let's talk about a few of those during our, during our time today. The first question that I'd like to start with is, as leaders, we are, we're all human and we bring certain assumptions and, and unconscious biases to how we manage and to how we lead. So I'm curious to know what you've seen around how having self-awareness around your own biases can make you a better leader um, and how having some self-conscious, some self-awareness to those biases as leadership teams um, can drive strategy and engagement. Yeah. Thanks, Regina. And it's great to be on this podcast with you. Um, yeah, when preparing for this, I started to think about the idea of, a, of the, the, the shadow that you cast as a leader and what it means in these times. And interestingly, I think the shadow is even more important, but maybe feels different in how we do it. But as leaders, I think we all probably have uh, orthodoxies about how we like to work and what we think is most effective in a work. Uh, some, for some of us, it's alone. For some of us, it's in a group. And we all have great stories about times we all got together and did things until uh, the 12th hour and uh, were finally successful. And they pull through as we, we've been challenging ourselves during COVID to still be successful as an organization. And of course, at first, our eyes were open to the fact that people were actually more productive. And I think as energy waned, maybe productivity waxed and waned as well. 
but it's really important, I think, to call out, like, how do you think people should work? And do they work better at home or in the office? And as a leader, do you, you know, do you say, well, we should be in the office, but actually you kind of like being at home yourself. And people seem to like flexibility, but they also yearn for connection. And that paradox has to be, has to be dealt with, as does the fact that in my organization, I have people in 10 countries. I'm building a global culture, but of course, culture is expressed locally. How do I do that? And I think I don't have the answers to a lot of these things, but I observe them and I, and I try to power through them as we're working uh, to come to a, a new normal in, 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 this, in this world post-COVID. I love what you said about the shadow you cast as a leader. And the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is sometimes it's hard to catch your own shadow. It can be hard to see, and you, you may have to turn in a slightly different direction, right, to be able to see the shadow that might be to your left, to your right, or behind you, and not necessarily in front of you. And we right. are, we're challenged with all of those, um, all of those paradoxes that you shared um, as well. And I would also add that the talent market has shifted dramatically as a direct impact of the pandemic. And people are making um, you know, choices that maybe they felt like they didn't have the flexibility to make before. And so this war for talent has become um, a, a, a very large issue. And so one of the, one of the things that we're thinking through is for, for talent and open positions, you know, what experience do we really need? Right. What level of experience is really appropriate and what level of ex experience can we train around? Um, and similarly, from an education standpoint, where in the past we might have said we might have said 10 years plus, we're really pushing ourselves and challenge, challenging ourselves to say, do we really need 10 years of education of um, education or a certain level degree for someone to be successful in this role? Many times the answer is yes. But sometimes the answer is no, we can get someone with the right um, you know, motivation and drive and make them successful um, in a different way than what we've done before. So that was my reaction to what you had to say. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, and the other thing about the war for talent is it used to be we, we had a series of, of pools of talent near all of the sites where we worked and more uh, virtual working. It's now sort of like more like one big pool that everyone's fishing in at the same time. And so you have to be mindful of some of the things you talked about and where you're willing to, to flex and, and give on in order to prop up the, the, the talent you need to be successful. Which just goes back to your point around, you know, where are people working and, um, you know, what are the orthodoxies that we're bringing into our own leadership um, style and, and outlook? Because um, you may not be able to find what you need in certain locations, and um, we have to challenge ourselves to be okay with that. Yeah. So. So now that we, you know, as leaders have some self-awareness about ourselves, we can be, uh, we can more productively engage with our teams and ensure um, not only their engagement, but their overall well-being, which is another critical topic that we're spending a lot of time talking about these days. So this idea of trust, right? What role do you see trust having for us as leaders um, during times of, of change? What are you seeing? 
Yeah, I think trust is the number one issue, um, imperative, I should say, the number one imperative uh, to be successful in, in, in a hybrid world that we're living now. And, and it's a trust in both directions. And so for, for uh, managers, they have to trust their people are, are working and getting towards the outcomes you desired. And as an HR professional, you know, you always are talking about not only the what you do, but how you do it. And, and trying to, to get a sense of how people are doing it is probably a little harder than the, what they're doing and the outcomes there. But you have to trust that they're moving in that direction and have good intent. And then, of course, at the same time, your people have to trust you and have to trust you're good to your word. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you and I talked uh, originally, I said it's so hard sometimes for people to take risk in an organization because they quite honestly don't trust that their leaders won't take it out on them if they fail. Take it out of them in whatever way, bonus or, or a... A, a demotion or not getting a promotion or whatever the the fear is. And sometimes I think it's easier for people to trust me when they're looking right in my eyes. And can I <laughs> do that same trust when I'm on a, on a video call? And I've tried lots of ways of doing that, but I think it's so important that they trust me and they trust who I am as I'm trying to lead them virtually. And I have a little trust equation I use, uh, Regina, uh, all the time. And it's the trust is a combination on, on the numerator of credibility, re relatability, reliability, and vulnerability, and then on the denominator of self-interest. And so I think relatability is the challenge we have in, in, in being virtual, um, is for people to still uh, understand, you know, who I am. I'm just, you know, I still a human being and that they can relate to me and that they can rely on my, uh, on me being the same person on Monday that I am on Friday. So I think trust is really important. Yeah. I want, I want to build on that idea of taking, taking risks and being able to make a mistake. Not only do employees have to trust their manager that that mistake will be coached, through um, and that there will be an opportunity to do better the next time. But I also think it's employees, it's important for employees to know that their manager is speaking on their behalf when they're not in the room, right? So, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Regina made a mistake on a particular project or there was something that was missed, but I have full confidence in her. Here's how we've corrected, here's how we've course corrected. Um, and I have every, you know, confidence that going forward, this won't be an issue. I think it's really important that people know that we're, we're speaking up for them when they're not in the room. Not only, not only coaching them through a risk that didn't go well or a mistake, but knowing that we are speaking up, speaking up on their behalf, um, and reporting back anything valuable that we hear that we think um, can be helpful for them. And the other thing that um, struck me while you were talking was this idea of, um, I think he's called it relatability. So some people um, in both of our organizations, by the nature of their role, are in the office or in a manufacturing facility um, or whatever the workplace looks like all the time every day as a function of the role. 
but other people can effectively do their jobs from a distance. And I think trust is really important in terms of making sure that people feel like they are um, still being considered for opportunities, that they're still being invited to participate in projects, and that that visibility or lack thereof doesn't impact um, their ability to grow um, their career personally and professionally. Boy, absolutely. I, I think there's both both that they trust that uh, that not seeing you for months on end won't slow them down. And we've had, we've had meetings this year where people met their manager for the first time since they've been hired. Um, and so uh, what you're talking about is just so magnified. And on the other hand, the people that are are required to show up uh, day in and day out they need to trust that they're not going to be treated as second-class citizens, that they're the ones that have to show up and that we're going to take care of them as well with our policies and, and, and the things we talk about. Yeah, I agree. And that we can recognize um, the balancing act that they're doing um, as they show up every single day. Yep. So part of building trust um, involves another very closely related leadership imperative. It's our last of the three. And that is just being authentic, right? Being able to um, demonstrate vulnerability, which I think was part of your equation. But let's do a mm -hmm. deeper dive on that. Because I think sometimes leaders feel that we have to be strong for our teams and you know we don't have to share our own experiences because we don't want to add to um, people's concerns and what's already on their plate. But I think sometimes um, being being vulnerable could actually help us be better leaders. So what's your perspective on being a bit vulnerable? Yeah, well, I, I obviously, uh, for me, the vulnerability and the trust is for me to ask for your help. I say ask for help, help and offer help. Um, I had a great experience when I was living in Germany. Um, I had previously been working in a company where I knew the area, I knew the people, I knew pretty much everything they needed to know. And I didn't really need uh, my employees as much um, other than to do a good job. Moved to Germany, I didn't know the language, I didn't know any of the customs, I didn't know any of the shops, I didn't know anything. And I had to ask for help for everything. And I had so much more loyalty coming out of that uh, experience because I had to be vulnerable every single day, even though it was really uncomfortable, Regina. And I think the other thing about authenticity, though, is just showing your humanness. And whether sometimes it's just who you are. And for this uh, for this call, I've put my dog in my room in case he uh, barks, because that's part of my life. And, and I think when the cats went across people's keyboards, you saw a little bit more of humanness, even if it wasn't true vulnerability. And I like to say for authenticity, I, I, I just, you know, working, you know, continuously like we did for two years, if you're not authentic in how you lead, you just don't have the energy to, to be phony all the time. It takes more energy to, to put on an act than it does to just be yourself. For, for me, it's been, it's been a secret to, to my stamina is to just be myself because in the end, it's a lot easier to lead from an authentic place than not. And let me tell you, people all over the world can root out both authenticity and phoniness. So it's a lot better that way. I completely agree. And I also think that if you're so focused on 
putting on a front or being who you think people expect you to be, it's hard to listen. It's hard to hear. Um, and it's hard to add value because it does take that tremendous amount of energy. You know, you mentioned about your your dog. And I think one of the interesting outputs of the pandemic is the fact that we all moved to Teams and to Zoom and into video. And we saw pets and we saw kids and we saw, you know, yeah. grandparents, we Absolutely. saw all kinds of things. And people that had, in fact, worked for one another for years, got to know one another on a completely different level. Um, and I think there was some hesitation at front to, you know, push the kids out of the room or, you know, make sure the dog had something to chew on while you were on a call. But I saw us um, as a culture getting much more comfortable with, um, you know, with, with, you know, being honest about what was going on as we were fulfilling our work responsibilities. And the more that leaders did that, the more comfortable everyone else uh, became over the course of the over the course of the pandemic. I so I so agree. Uh, Peter Lee, who's head of research at Microsoft, I know him. He had a great anecdote about one of his leaders. He, he was kind of stuck in a relatively small place, and he said first. Of course, during the pandemic, it, it was in a bedroom and everything was made up perfectly behind and not, there was nothing out of place and the leader looked all dressed. And as things progressed, of course, the bed was unmade. And he said, as things continued to progress, the guy was in his pajama tops. And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this was what happened. Uh, and it, it didn't make him a worse leader, just made him a leader in pajama tops. And and I think sometimes we, we should remember that our our failings and our our, our 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 foibles are what makes us human and what makes people want to want to like us and want to attach to us and follow us. It's definitely a journey that we're all on individual individually and collectively as organizations. And I think on that journey, one thing we um, we can do is to offer ourselves a bit of grace and also offer that to others. Um, so we've talked a little bit about three leadership imperatives. We've talked about putting unconscious bias on the table and having some self-awareness around that in terms of how we lead and manage. We've talked about the importance of trust. And we've also talked about how to be your authentic self in a way that benefits you and the people that you that you work with. And these three things are absolutely critical to not only aligning our leaders, um, but supporting their success um, in driving strategy and engagement during, during all of this change. So as usual, Bill, it's been a great conversation. We could go on for a much longer period of time, but with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to Mary. Thank you, Bill and Regina. And thank you to our listeners, don't forget to register for our February 9th event entitled 2023 Critical People Priorities. Visit www.peopleandstrategy.org to register or learn more. At the event, Regina will join a panel of other workforce strategists as we expand the conversation with you.